thing that I found so wonderful was the moment that he actually decided that he was an alcoholic. I was like, oh, thank God, we're finally there. Did you need to... I needed to burp a little bit. They wouldn't do the microphone because I would have grossed everyone out. I'm drinking bubbly water during a podcast, and, which is probably a bad well, idea. I've got kombucha and green juice, and I'm about to tuck into my coffee. So, yeah. I mean... Well, we got it on video, too, so we'll make that a blooper reel. Come and stay a while amid the British charm that is called my brain. I'm a journalist and pastor in California, but don't hold that against me. I wasn't brainwashed. I chose to leave my atheism on my own accord, consequently after two sips of Kool-Aid. But that's for another time. These opinions are my own most of the time. The humour was learned of a book I found in a hedge, and the dreamer in me, well, she's here to stay. So you're very welcome. I was saying to you just off the podcast now, I I did not know who you were last week. Mm-hmm. I had dinner with two friends who were raving about their new workplace and their new boss and how inspired and, in, in, I can't even say the word, innovative, oh, the culture that you've created. So, And so I, I knew about the Adventure Challenge, mm-hmm. which we'll have to explain to my listeners what totally. on earth that is. Yes. <laughs> and then the very next day I started hearing other people raving about you. And before I knew it, half of Redding, California are actually working for you at the moment. <laughs> The because goal is to take over the whole city. Great. And then yeah. America. And America, yeah. America next. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so by the time you're 30, uh, Trump's uh, in, in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Not president. <laughs> I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay somebody well, else. Well, you won't to get to president. have as much fun if, know, you, did, feel, if you were there. I'm like, president. it's so much more fun just being a CEO and not running the world. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So you have a podcast called The Failed Journal. And yes. so that's when I was like, okay, I, twice in a week he's been mentioned to me. He's got a very intriguing title for his podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm a three on the Enneagram and failure terrifies me. But I'm also very fearless in some ways as well. You seem so it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my closest friends are working in sex trafficking and will hang out of brothels with guns to their head. And that isn't a problem for them because they've got a mission and a vision to save these girls. Wow. Whereas <clears throat> spiders, however, terrifying. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I'm right with you okay. there. Yeah. Okay, because I feel like you're this. not scared of failure. And yet I'm also kind of like, I'm kind of intrigued to ask you the question of like, what does terrify you then? Spiders. Anybody <laughs> who knows. For my birthday yesterday, someone got me one of those boxes where you open the no. lid and a spider jumps out. No, that's not funny. It wasn't, well, I no. knew what it was when I opened it. Because I was like, if there's a spider in here, I'm going to hate you. And then I opened it and the spider just like jumps out. Stop it. I hate the spiders. The jumpy spiders. No one wants a jumpy <sighs> spider. Never mind just a normal spider. No. It yeah. could have been worse. They could have given you an actual real live black widow. In a oh God. When I was in high school, I had to feed them at this job I worked. I worked at an insectary. What? And I had to put flies in these black widow spiral webs. Stop it. And you'd see him go, no. eat them. Oh, it was horrifying. I've been contending with uh, one Black Widow spider in my trash can for the last 18 months. It's been a continual battle. He's not going. He's what staying. You, what you set him on he fire or she, or I don't know what Burn correct. the whole trash can. <laughs> what are you I know. I actually was willing to throw it into the car fire when we had, it's actually two <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but I, don't, I think even that wouldn't have penetrated his life. It was just awful. Wow. I don't know what to do. Anyway, I'm fascinated by you because Thank of you. all the things that you stand for. And especially, I think, given the sort of spiritual journey mm-hmm. we've gone on, people are quite terrified. We should be the most fearless bunch if we're believing in God and something beyond ourselves. Absolutely. But this, this fear of failure, I'm wondering whether we're so scared of misrepresenting God because we say that we follow as mm-hmm. a Christian. Yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. 
Straight on, in. On Straight what, in. No, help me understand the question a little bit better. Why Christians are afraid of failing? I think so. Oh, is that, tr- is that, is that true? Maybe we're not. Well. Some. I feel like Christians will blame failing on God sh- shutting the door oh, or they're yeah. not being favor on their life. Totally. Like, oh, I just don't have the favor to do this. And it's like, actually, there's a lot of favor in failing because you're, there's a lot of character development in the process. Yeah. You get to learn how, God, how big God actually is. And you, you develop in that journey. And I'm like, there's so much favor in the process of failing. And people are like, oh, it's just not my season for this. Or there's, I just didn't feel the favor. There's so much favor on your life right now because all this stuff is happening. It's like, there was favor, you know, on my life when I was losing hundreds of thousands of dollars and the company wasn't successful or I was auditioning and I was failing, like that was favor because now I get to use that to help other people. I just, wow. it just didn't feel like favor in the moment. And so I don't know if that answers your question. But no, that's I, great. I feel like, yeah, Christians could be afraid of failing because they feel like maybe that's evidence that they're not supposed to be doing something. Yeah. And I'm like, and that's why I feel like Christians aren't the ones <laughs> always succeeding in different Tight. industries because yeah. they, they, they typically seem to blame failure on God or a spiritual reason rather than it being a natural part of the process for yeah. success. Yeah. So like one of my favorite things in failure is failure is not the opposite of success, but a prerequisite. Yes, mm-hmm. this feels like your mantra. I think yes. this is going to be on your epitaph when you die. Yeah. Like that will be your tombstone. Yes. <laughs> if I die. <laughs> I get so good at feeling now yeah. that I'll never die. That's good. Mm-hmm. Just so your main aim in life is really just divide death. Yeah, exactly. Like, live forever. Never... Yeah, yeah. Nope, don't want to live forever. Actually, I have a time here and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> right. What, what was the moment that you actually had this revelation about the beauty of failing? The weird thing is I think growing up, there was a revelation that I didn't know how to put to words. So, you know, one day I was watching television, uh, watching a basketball game. I saw this basketball player spinning a basketball on his finger. And I was like, oh man, I want to learn how to do that. I thought, oh, I bet if I lock myself in a room for an hour, I can learn how to do that. And so I locked myself in the room for an hour and practiced spinning a basketball. I kept falling, kept falling, kept falling. Within an hour, I had it. And, and the same thing, I saw a friend juggling and I was like, oh, I bet if I lock myself in room for an hour and practice that, I can get to juggling. I can learn how to juggle. So I Dang. did the same thing. And there was this pattern where I understood you keep making mistakes, keep making mistakes. And eventually your body clicks, muscle memory happens and you, you learn how to do it. Wow. And so I, when I started pursuing acting, I had the same mindset. It was like, oh, I need to go to a hundred auditions. And if I haven't booked something by the hundredth audition, then I can quit. But Within that, I will. Within that hundred attempts, I'll I'll learn. And so I don't think I I knew the the, the proper words to say as yeah. far as like why failure was important to me. But there yeah. was something in me that said, you just keep getting it wrong, getting it wrong, getting it wrong. Eventually, you'll get it right, and that's part of the journey. But we're so scared of the failure because we we look insignificant, we mm. look um, ignorant, we look like amateurs, and with social media, everyone's trying to project this image of perfection, this image of success, where it's like, all of you people are pretending to be successful. You'll never be successful because you're not actually doing what it takes to accept the humiliation of failure. So you can learn from that and grow into being successful. Does that make sense? It it totally makes sense Mm -hmm. for me. And yet, so I wonder whether there's a connection between self-compassion 
And when we make mistakes, get totally. it wrong. I'm doing quotes, but I'm doing this in a podcast. <laughs> quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So that's my concern for me is the is the journey of how cruel I am to myself. Because sometimes friends around me are really kind to me when I make mistakes. Absolutely, yeah. So did you, was that something that you had to learn then? I think... Or is it just sheer determination and ambition and a vision for your life? I think positive self-talk is huge. Yeah. Um, I'm very compassionate towards other people when they make mistakes or fail. Yeah. You know, if I, if I have a friend who's doing stand-up comedy at an open mic, he tells a joke oh. that falls flat. Oh. In my heart, I'm like, dude, you're trying. You're doing yeah. your best. Good job. But if I'm doing something like that and it falls flat, I think everyone's judging me. Well, that naturally, yeah. I'll, I'll feel like, oh, everyone's judging me. But then if I, if I go to the audience perspective and say, if I was in the audience, I would be loving the shit out of you in that That's moment. That's so true. So in this moment, I'm going to assume that everybody is sending me love and acceptance and compassion. And in return, I'm also going to give myself that love and compassion. And at the end of the day, it's like, I really don't care what you think right now. Mm. Because even if it doesn't look pretty polished or perfect in this moment, in five years, it will. It'll look better. And so wow. for me, it's always, it, it's always felt like kind of like a hero's journey, I guess, <laughs> where every embarrassing moment, unfortunate story or time where you fall flat on your face, I'm thinking, I can't wait to use this in the future to help somebody else who's, who's going to be wow. where I'm at right now. And so I think that's how kind of my mm. mind works, where it's like, so I actually created this book called The Failed Journal. I haven't released this on my podcast yet. Okay. But it's an actual journal to where before you take a risk, you write out, what am I hoping to achieve with this risk? What am I scared of? What's the worst that could happen? And then you take the risk yeah. and then you document what actually happened. What lie was I believing that wasn't true? What can I learn from this risk to help me set me up better for another risk? And what that does is it starts to pre-wire your brain for when you're about to take a risk, you're already thinking, win or lose, this is gonna be for my benefit. Yeah. So like asking somebody out on a date. Yeah, I'll yeah do let's that. talk about relationships. Oh yeah, it's perfect for dating. Because you sit there right and you're like, why am I asking this go on a date? Well, I want a family someday. I have a value marriage and I, totally. I, and if, in my future, this is something I really want. So this is why I'm taking this risk. What's the lie that I'm believing? Uh, she'll think I'm creepy by telling her she's cute and I want to take her out to coffee. See, I've never, any guy that's ever asked me out, I've never thought that about them. Yeah, and I've never felt, I've never felt that way if a girl yeah. asks me out. And I've yeah. never had a girl think that was creepy if I ask her out. Yeah. But the, th the weird thoughts, like the accuser puts these weird totally. thoughts in her heads of these things that they're going to say or they're going to feel. And so, yeah, I, I, but it's, it's just fun to document the beginning because after you do it, you realize... I had no reason to be afraid. Yeah. And so the next time I do it, there's more confidence. Because you're like, oh yeah, this was, you know. So, totally. Um, I think it's just practice. But being intentional with the practice. So right. not just going out and embarrassing yourself and be like, oh, that was a failure. But being intentional with what you do with that failure. You know, are you That's processing brilliant. through it? Are you, are you giving yourself compassion? Because if you're, if you're not processing through your failures, I feel like they get stored into our hearts as trauma yes. rather than education. And trauma doesn't help you grow. It just shuts you down more. Oh, I think it's actually probably been, in my life, it's certainly been the thing that's caused probably the most hopelessness mm. if I've allowed it to take control. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, so in, in which way? The trauma being, and I think, I think maybe there's a three in us that we, it, you're kind of a three, kind of a seven. Yeah. <laughs> a little, <laughs> and so, little, little mixture. Yeah. And so the, the thing for me is, 
I like to be effective and productive and and explore and try things out. So there is that 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 reverence for risking and being fearless. But at the same time, when it goes wrong, I take over responsibility. I'm gotcha. nervous about my reputation. Us yeah. threes really care about our reputation. It's super important. It's so annoying. Yeah. I hate that I care about it. <laughs> and then, and but the beauty is, is being aware of it and knowing that's your soft spot. And mm. so you sort of work on that area and be kind, more kind to yourself in those moments where you know mm. it's about to... But the trauma for me sometimes goes, oh, what could I have done differently to have avoided that trauma? Wow. And which can, I, when I'm pastoring people, I see a lot of people go, what could I have done differently? And I'm like, sweetheart, you couldn't have done anything. Yeah. And actually the beauty of this was actually growing you and building your character, building perseverance, building character, therefore building hope. 100%. And I so missed good. out those two things. To, in the, I just wanted to have hope and hope would only come with favor, success, achievement. Wow rather than actually when Paul talks about perseverance will create character and character creates hope. Yeah. I'm like, free. <laughs> I forgot about that verse. Yeah, yeah I know. Literally talks about failing. Totally. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by you on so many different levels. Also, I love the fact that you, you've mentioned in one of your podcasts that you love auditioning. I love it, yeah. And I hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Well, I'm curious to why you hated it. I hated it because, I think because I started as a casting director. Okay. So I knew the dialogues when, yeah. when people left the room oh, and no. I wish I hadn't been exposed to it. Yep. <laughs> because actually the people that were the most impressive to us were the ones that came in not caring so much about our opinion about them. They just yeah. came in, did the gig, it was right or not. Like you said, yeah. you know whether you've got it or not pretty much that day. It's yeah. like a fun, it's a fun test all the time. Yep. And I think you're also learning so much about yourself or what you are and what you're not. You're learning the parameters of the yeah. gifts that you bring to the table as an actor or an actress. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I much preferred it when uh, I would go through a whole journey of, oh gosh, that was a terrible audition. I did a terrible job. And Especially at night when you're trying to go to sleep. Oh. And your body's getting hot and your, yeah. your heart rate's going Everything faster. Everything is like, why did I choose that accent? That's yeah. terrible. Like, like I'm going through all of these things. Yeah. And then I'm like, my, I think the director's sleeping with somebody else. Like, oh, she's going to... Oh, no. And I try to like reason myself out of it. And I, yeah. don't, I don't want the part anyway. I didn't, I didn't want the part. I, didn't, I was just doing it because I was bored. Like I'm trying yeah. to convince myself out totally. of it. Totally. But I'm interested to know what... What I love the stories though. Having said that, all of my dire auditions that I did too, the ones where I didn't get the parts, actually became some of my best suppertime stories. So As what are yours? Do. What are your best what are your worst auditions that you love to share? Well <laughs> acting auditions I haven't had a lot of horrible ones. Because I feel like at the very beginning I've it didn't have put high stakes on it. So yeah. most of them turned out good. It was modeling auditions that sucked. Oh dang. Because you can't even impress them with your charm. No, exactly. And it's, see, I'm not a model, right? Like, I'm just, this is not what I, but I think there was a part of me that wanted affirmation and looks. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, in, I'm at San Francisco and they're doing San Francisco Fashion Week and I get a call in for an audition. And so I'm like, oh yeah, they think I look good. So yeah, I'm going to go in for this audition. And oh, I, yeah. I, I go in and no modeling experience whatsoever. <laughs> Okay, wait, wait, wait. Before, <laughs> before I went to the audition, they, they I'm said, already hey, nervous. They said, hey, we need some um, body shots for, oh, wow. for, for the okay. audition. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. So I had my roommate lather me down with coconut oil 
and I did a bunch <laughs> of push-ups, so my chest was puffing and my abs were looking better. That's funny because that's how I prepared for today's podcast. Really? <laughs> I was wondering why you were so sparkly. I was like, is that coming? Why I was flexing my pecs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. But no, I, so that's what I did. I took a bunch of pictures shirtless with holding a beach volleyball, trying to look swap. I still have those pictures. With, oh, please. Can I, do, not to be weird, but I do want to see these pictures. <laughs> oh, the, just the, to hold the, just holding the beach volleyball. Uh, Were you I'll, even I'll, anywhere near a beach? No, I was in a <laughs> church sanctuary. <laughs> that's where we had the camera. And so I'm just like trying to look suave and right. GQ and whatever. And um, so I go to the audition, I give him my pictures and he's just like, oh yeah, okay. So he's like, all right, go ahead and do a walk from here to that wall. Cause it's, yeah. it's a runway, it's a runway gig. And I'm just like gangster walking across, trying to look all suave. And he's like, what are you doing with your arms? Stop that. And he's like, stop, you, you keep swallowing your Adam's apples moving up and down. And I started stop to feel it. so uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. And I'm like walking like a robot. He's like, why you look like a robot right now? What are you doing? <laughs> oh and he goes, you know, he goes, you got a good look, Bryant, but you can't walk to save your life. Oh, stop it. And he's like, so if we can find a more experienced person that has oh, ethnically ambiguous, because that's what I was, ethnically ambiguous, I was not black or white. I was just like a brown guy. And they're like, if we can't find anyone better, we'll call you. Uh, but, you know, you need some serious training with walking. And I was so humiliated for the next oh, couple absolutely. days. absolutely. I'm thinking What did you room. do as you walked out of that? Who did you call first? I don't think I called anybody. Mm. I think I just drove all the way back to LA, just like, you Life idiot, sucks. you idiot, you idiot. Why'd you go to a runway audition? <laughs> You've never done runway before. And I just felt so ignorant. Wow. Like, it was just like, I did, almost like I did something wrong. Like, yes. it was like, I did something wrong because I didn't do it the way they wanted me to do it. When in reality, I was doing, I was doing so good. I was trying, you know, I was taking a risk. I was growing and- there was a few other modeling auditions like that where I went in and they were like, give us a swimmer pose. And so I started like waiting my arms like this and they're like, no, like a dive. And I was like, ah, what are you? And then Could they were like- Could you be more specific, please? Yeah, okay. they, they, you know, they made me take my shirt off and it was just, it felt awkward. Oh. I've, I've just never had a good experience at a model audition. I've never booked a model. <laughs> so, but yeah, I don't know, for acting, it's always felt like odds are I'm not going to get this part. So why am I going to this audition? One, because I love acting and it's fun. Mm. So I'm going to have more fun than anybody who's auditioning. Mm. And it's going to be educational because if I don't get the part, it's going to set me up better for success for the next part. So it feels like every acting audition I went to, I would like book the part or, or I went to a lot of auditions where I didn't want the part just because I wanted to practice auditioning. I would get the part and then oh, turn down dang. the part. That's kind of, that's a nice place to be there. Yeah, it was fun. It was just like, oh yeah, I don't want to play that character. That's awkward. But I just wanted to audition to see if I could get the part. I <laughs> so, know. Yeah. I think that's actually quite fascinating. To, and I was just, again, before starting this podcast, I remember talking to you about, there's something on the end goal not mattering as totally. much yeah. that actually changes your disposition. It's a bit like when I like a guy, when I really like a guy, I get really ridiculous and embarrassing. Totally, yeah. <laughs> and it feels fumble. like the stakes are high. Totally. Yeah. And so I had to change a whole dialogue for that. But I'm just, I'm intrigued to know if there was anyone that taught you this mm -hmm. or if it was just a sort of self-revelation throughout your trial and error and just your natural ability to try things out. I'd like to say that I'm just so intuitive I'm and full so of wisdom. That I'm just, I'm the chosen vision. one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I, I think, like I said before, I didn't have language to put to it. 
I yeah. just, there was things inside of me that felt like you have to do this in order for it to work. And then I think maybe it was Will Smith or JK Rowling's. Oh yeah. Cause they talk a lot about failure and they talk mm. a lot about how much it built who they were today because of the failure. And if they would have just skipped the process of failure, they wouldn't even have a journey on how to help other people get to where they are. Wow. So like, if you just get lucky and become super successful, you can't actually use that to benefit other people. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, oh no, no, no. So when I started this company, these were my pitfalls. This is the mistakes I made. I can help you avoid these. You know, if the first thing you do works, you're like, oh, I don't know. The first thing I did worked and I'm yeah. successful now. And yeah. so I'm like, if, because one of my passions in life is to help other people and, and mm -hmm. to lead other people to success. I can't lead other people to success unless I know what, where the pitfalls are, where the failure is. Right. So it's just. My question to you is going to be, would you have even started a podcast on failing until you'd become successful? <laughs> it's interesting. Because, <laughs> I'll tell you something. I had the idea for the fail journal the yeah. same time I got the idea for the adventure challenge. Okay. So in my, and maybe this is the three in me, mm. I've always felt like I was really successful even when I wasn't. That's real. And I feel like I'm going to be successful tomorrow even if I'm not today. Yeah, and <laughs> so. I don't know what that is. And maybe that's a millennial thing or something, but it just, yeah. it feels like, oh no, I have a story to tell and I have things to teach. Right. So regardless if I'm a millionaire or have a successful company or I'm doing my dreams perfectly, I want to make a book that teaches people how to process through failure and then talk about it. Now, the company being successful gives a little bit more, I don't right. want to say authenticity, but it, it does validate in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. You know, people will say, okay, because like it, it's real. It's just like if a very large man was trying to teach you how to lose weight, you'd be like, well, can you lose weight? Yeah. And I, it, you know, or, you know, these a lot of like acting teachers who have never actually done really anything, it's right. like, well, how, why are you trying to tell me how to get into Hollywood and you've never been yourself? And so yeah. I feel, you know, with, I feel like I'm, I, I feel really blessed to have what I do because it is like, yeah, I feel like, I'm not successful in everything, obviously. Mm. Like, I'm not going to give someone relationship advice, you know? Like, I'll give them my experience with relationships, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you how to have a successful marriage. Yeah. Um, but it's with entrepreneurship, with going after your dreams, with taking risks and falling on your face and being embarrassed. It's like, mm. yeah, I've done a lot of that and I've seen it paid off. And so, it, you know, it, I'm definitely grateful that I have that element of success to where I feel like people will take it more seriously. Yeah, because you know? I think sometimes we're so... We don't feel like we have any authority in anything until we have the victory in that thing. Yeah. Or we're scared of sharing the vulnerability. But I think one of the most powerful things that you're doing at the moment, of course, with the wonderful adventure challenge, which, by the way, we never even actually talked about what that was. <laughs> I've just realized. It's just an abstract company. I just It's very jumpy yeah. uh -huh. all over the place in the podcast. But I, that's the problem. I have so much that I want to ask you and share with you and discuss that we might have to do a part two. But the thing that I have for this journey with you is the fascination of like sharing the, f it's, you're not sharing this from how to be successful, five mm -hmm. top tips on yeah. building a big business. You're not doing that. You're actually almost rejoicing in the, the process. Or, yeah, because if I think about it, even just tripping over in the street and- <laughs> Does that just happen? Yeah, yeah I okay. mean, it, well actually Tyler nearly fell down the stairs. Oh, no. <laughs> and I kept talking on the phone thing I didn't see it just for his sake. And, but I kind of turn it into a bit of a jog. 
Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I fall, I recognize someone else saw that, but I turn it as if I was turning into a jog anyway. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. no one didn't fall. Oh, yeah. oh, that's oh, fantastic. That saw that. So I that's, wish I could have seen I that. I do that a lot. Yeah, I do a lot. I mean, I literally have practiced that a lot of times. But oh wow, I practice how to fail in front of others. I think there is actually a thing. You t- you talk about the facade of success. Yes. So we're frightened of looking like a failure. We put so much onus on being successful, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think I I can very much be the same. Mm. Even just as a pastor, I want to I want to be the best pastor. Totally, yeah. I don't want to be flawed. I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time, even the church has fallen in many ways because we just weren't willing to admit that we failed or got it wrong in some areas. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is when we when we don't admit to our failures, we completely limit the growth we can get. Because yeah. if I'm putting on a facade that everything I do is perfect and I don't, I don't make mistakes, we're actually not showing our vulnerable sides where people can come in and help us. Right. And so everyone's like, oh, no, this person's perfect. Like they got their shit together. We don't yeah. need the help. But it's like, yeah. when you're like, oh, I'm a mess. Like I've been a CEO for two years. I don't have my shit together. <laughs> I drop the ball. I'll piss off an employee. I'll hurt someone's feelings. Totally. I'll do this. And I, and I want to be open about that. So other leaders can come to me and say, hey, you have a blind spot here. Let me help you. I struggled with this. And I'm like, without that, if I'm just putting on this facade of perfection or, or feeling really just kind of, it's just like this, just this wall of pride and it just doesn't let people in and you don't grow. One of the things that I've noticed that exactly with growth is I think a lot of pastors have gone, oh, you know, if we're very self-aware, uh, yeah. the greatest gift is being yeah. self-aware. And I'm yep. like, no, no. <laughs> Taking ownership of mm. the self-awareness so good, would really help me out. That's so good. And so, so that's, that's, that's how I know I can mm-hmm. grow people is if they've gone, oh, it's so much worse than you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than, no, I don't know what you're talking about. This isn't, you know. Yeah. And I actually, that's probably one of the biggest things that I long for in a relationship mm. is going, I just want a guy that takes ownership. He yeah. doesn't have to be perfect. He yeah. can totally have it or he can have a very wonky past. Totally. I'm really not worried about that. Yeah. It's what he's taking ownership today mm. and and owning the failures when he's doing it and, and, and vice versa, being a graceful place when I get it wrong too. Isn't that crazy? How it, that is very attractive quality. Yeah. When someone doesn't have all their stuff together, but if you're able to confront it even and be like, this is how I'm experiencing you. Yeah. And they don't put shields and walls up and they go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll work on that. Like, thank you for revealing that to me. Yeah. To me, that shows so much more character than the worship leader on stage who acts like she has everything together and, you know, <laughs> she's flawless and yeah. So it's just, and it's also, it actually does become quite intimidating. It does. Because yeah. they're like, well, I'm sorry. I don't know what to bring to the table for you. Yeah. I can bring my, my mess, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what else I can bring. I, I'm an expert in my own mess yeah. and how to grow from that mess, but I don't know anything else sometimes. And they can't, if you can't own your own mess, mm. people can't accept your mess. Yes. And so you feel that too when you're being vulnerable and messy and they're like, oh, you, it's like, I feel like you're not even looking at yourself. Because and when it's the tumbleweed in the room. Yeah. I shared too exactly. much. Thanks so much. <laughs> I remember once going, do you know one of my, f- my favorite places to be in the entire world? This is when I was 21, 22. And I dated a guy that was like, probably for about two and a half years I dated him. Loved his drink. Loved his drink. And he was a fabulous actor. Wait, wait, you loved his drink. He, loved, that- he loved his drink. Oh, he loved if his you drink. You know what I mean. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Little, little too much of the drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, and he was an actor. And so the lifestyle of the West End mm. theatre was just, you know, you got up at 5 p.m., you did the show. Wow. You were out until five in the morning. And so the thing that I found 
so wonderful was the moment that he actually decided that he was an alcoholic. I was like, oh, thank God. We're finally there. Did you need to... Burp? I needed to burp a little bit. I didn't want to do the microphone because I would have grossed everyone out. I'm drinking bubbly water during a podcast, and, which is probably a bad well, idea. I've got kombucha and green juice and I'm about to tuck into my coffee. So, yeah. I mean... Well, we got it on video too, so we'll make that a blooper reel. You know, I actually did... I actually did... I actually did that in a sermon once when I was in England. Oh, in the microphone. And talk about failing in the as microphone. a pastor. Oh, my gosh. In England. Never do it. Just don't oh, do no. it. And I literally... I, I burped because I'd had Diet Coke and my mother was on the front row and she just she just frowned at me and then I went to go and get a, I went to go and get a little sip halfway through a break and I went to go and grab it she went no that's enough for you I don't think you should have any more <laughs> oh my god I'm so sorry sorry mum I was just so mortified great. just the front and they don't have to say a word I would just it. get the look oh yeah yeah that just, oh just half an inch of a head tilt and a frown there's no way that's on video right oh I mean, <laughs> somewhere it's got to be. It was enough. That was my well, discipline throughout my entire child, the look. Well, um, were you pastor's kid? I was. Okay. PK. PK, me too. I don't know anyone in California that isn't a PK these days. Yeah, everyone's a freaking PK, especially for all the, you know, people who go to the ministry school here. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I didn't want to be a pastor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> same. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, I, again, I was, I was so fascinated by how hidden people were about the reality of the true story. Mm. And I was the kid at five that was like, that's not true, they're in jail. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my mum and dad couldn't let me be anywhere near yeah. any private conversation because oh I would come out with the full authentic yep. reality of what was I going on that. with this person. Yeah. I mean, I've learned how to navigate and manage that better now. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, I'm totally digressing. You belched, I got I got distracted good, with the beauty of yeah. em- embracing um, burping. That's on a podcast. That's great. Yeah. I mean, what was I talking about? We were talking about you were dating a guy who liked to oh, drink, yeah, Western the, world, the, the wake up, go key. to bed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I adored him. He was so much fun. He didn't become as much fun when he became sober, actually. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then I, th- and because he was so his inhibited self. Anyway, the, re- the whole reason why I was saying that is because I wanted to understand it. I wanted to get to understand his addiction. And so I started going to AA, the open AA meetings. In London, I didn't realize, firstly, how brilliant they were for networking. All the famous stars were in there. Oh, so I was wow. like, fantastic. We'll just exchange numbers with everyone. They're like, no, Carrie, this isn't a networking plan. This is actually people trying to find freedom. Yeah. But it was actually the most exhilarating place to be in because people were like, I messed up. Wow. And actually, they would actually share stories. There was this one guy that said, you know, as far as he was concerned, he'd stayed in that night. But when he woke up with a... When he woke up with a tree in the passenger seat of his Porsche, he realized there was a problem. Oh my God. <laughs> so he's like sharing these stories. Wow. And they've, to a point where they've forgiven themselves so much, they've worked so hard on me because, of course, they can brutally beat themselves mm-hmm. in so many ways. And obviously, watching the pain that they've caused. So let's go back to that thing about the reckless thing. Because there'll be people going, oh, you don't want to be reckless with other people's hearts, with other people's journeys. Totally, yeah. What's did, the, did I what say it, the reckless thing while we were recording? Oh, I don't know. I think that was before we were <gasps> recording. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. You. So. So say that. What you were sharing with me, oh, which so was. So much pressure now. What if I fail and I get know. It right? What if you fail? Like uh, what if you're reckless cool. on this podcast? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you say? Well, it was really good. I. I well, <laughs> I, I. I said I want to be reckless in failure. That's it. Yeah. And. It, and I. I. I want to use that carefully. Relationships, for instance, 
I don't yeah. want to be reckless. Okay, yeah. <laughs> be very, very That's protective of my heart. That's why people are so scared about doing them at all, though. That's the problem. Uh, about the what? That's why people are so scared about doing them at all. They're the scared mental. of doing relationships. Yeah, well, I think there's a difference between being, you know, reckless and vulnerable. You know, and, I, and I'm like, I, I don't want to be reckless, but I do want to be vulnerable. And that can look reckless to some people because they're like, you're putting all your cards on the table. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to stay hidden and put walls up. And then they're supposed to, there's all these rules. And it's like, I just want to be completely transparent with where I'm at instantly. And if you yeah. like, don't want to meet me there, then that's fine. We can find out real quick whether we're going to be compatible. And anybody, you know, if I go on a coffee date, you know, I'm not going to tell this person, all of my struggles or, you know, past. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but I'm going to be completely myself. And I'm going to make my jokes, the jokes that I want to make. I'm going to yeah. not have, I'm going to try to take as many filters off as I can. Yeah. And in that way, I would be reckless. And the sense it's like, I'm okay mm. with offending you. I'm okay with you thinking totally. I'm weird or I'm awkward because I'm going to bring my full self. Um, I'm not going to be reckless Physically, I'm not going to be <laughs> reckless with, you know, I'm not going to date a million people at once and the not really care about anyone's feelings. The doesn't get to be displayed exactly. on the, on your, at your coffee yeah. date. They don't get to see my modeling pics until date three, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> or ever. Or no, ever, to, if we're married. For the wedding night. For the wedding night, Maybe yeah. a, a sweet treat. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I will be, I want to be reckless with my dreams. I want to be reckless in the sense that I take the biggest risk that I can possibly take while also protecting my heart and, mm. you know, taking care of myself. Mm. I want to be reckless in business. I want to be reckless in um, public speaking. I want to be reckless with uh, pursuing friendships. Mm. And, you know, like I said, the word reckless is easier to translate to vulnerability, being open, being yeah. transparent. Um, so that, I guess that's kind of what reckless means to me is just going for it with yeah. no cards left on the table, you know? With like, complete abandon. Complete abandonment, yeah. Yeah. I, that, so. I think there is something for me about, sorry, I'm just looking around this. We're currently in a studio that used to be my Pilates studio. Uh, that's so crazy, <laughs> the, the history there. Yeah, and Brian's literally changed it into the most awesome pad. And Thank you. I, I'm trying to focus on this conversation, yet I'm seeing these three swings that are in the middle of this room and then a... Tennis table. What do you call that? Uh, ping pong. Ping pong table. Ping pong so table. We, or we call, we sometimes in England we call it whiff waff. Whiff waff. Whiff waff. That's how they... <laughs> like it's like a toddler's term for like, we're playing some whiff waff. That's like, it. That's genius though. Yeah. Well, I don't know where, I think it's the, the sound of the, but I have no idea. Whiff anyway. Whiff yeah. <laughs> whiff waff. Well. Maybe that was like... From Pingu or something, some sort of childhood animation. That I yeah. have no idea. I think it's a very old saying in England. Whiff-waff, yeah. Um, Are you good at whiff-waff? Mm-mm. No? Terrible. Okay. But now there's a table here, I might come up and practice when no one else is here. Yeah, you should, Thanks absolutely. So um, okay, let's talk about the areas that... You are successful in the eyes of other people, but what is success to you? Um... <laughs> I want to articulate it right because I, okay. I get asked this question a lot because I, I know, I'll have sorry. people. They'll be like, I was watching Devil's Wear, Devil Wears Prada with uh, a group of Why friends. Why is no one ready? Yeah. That one. <laughs> oh, that movie. <laughs> I know. She kills me. I was Were you the, watching it because you like to watch it? I, I was the group of friends and they all decided to watch mm. it. And I was like, I haven't seen this in years, so okay. I'll give it a shot. It was actually my, my sure's team. And oh, they yes. It's one of Mike's favorite movies. Well, consider yourself lucky because he always puts me into the most terrifying movies I've ever seen in my life. It's crazy. He likes those scary films. Yeah, he made me watch a movie with a writer who lives on her own and <laughs> is then she's having to 
lock herself in because some serial killer is killing everyone around her. Oh, wow. That's a terrifying... Terrifying. I went, did she, why did you invite me to this? Anyway, you're watching Devil's Wear Prada. I'm watching Devil's Wear Prada. Mm. And there's this lady sitting on my right and she goes, um, what did she say? She said something about, man, she's so successful. Um, it, it must be weird to be that successful. And I looked and I said, is she actually successful though? And she goes, she's successful. She goes, she might not be happy, but she's successful. And I was like, wow. I said, we'll argue about this later. Because well, I, wanted, I wanted to watch the movie. But in my mind, money is not success. Attention is not success. Um, being on a, on a platform where everybody says you're successful, that's not success. Success mm. is coming fully alive in what you're doing. So mm. if, you're, if what you're doing is bringing you money, bringing you attention, bringing you quote unquote fame, like to me, that's not success. You have people who are famous who kill themselves. That's so very I mean, real. You're not successful. You have a guy working at McDonald's who's yeah. happier. You have a lady who's so running true. a bakery making 50000 a year, but she's so alive because she loves yeah. making donuts, strudels, bagels, toast every day. And then you have a businessman who's making $5 million a year and his marriage is falling to pieces. He hates his life. Everyone he's around, he, he can't stand. I'm like, you're not successful. Like, so we put this term That's of success good. on what other people want. Oh, if I have what you want, that makes me successful. And it's like, no. And then you'll love me more. And then you'll love me more. Yeah. And it's like, so yeah, to me, success is, is coming fully alive in what you're doing. And I think I'm learning more and more how to be there because I think I had to make the money to realize money's not, money's powerless. Like yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was such a God to me until I realized it didn't have any real power. Mm. Um, and I heard that my whole life. People say money doesn't bring happiness, but usually that's an excuse for broke people. So they don't have to be good stewards of their money and make lots more of it. So they'll be like, money doesn't bring happiness. You know, we can spend the money however we need to. And I'm like, no money brings happiness. Cause you can buy jet skis. You can go to Tahiti. You can do all these things. It brings happiness. And as soon as I got the money and started to experience these things, I was like, oh shit, it actually doesn't bring happiness because mm. you soon realize that that just becomes your normal. Mm. And the thing that really brings happiness is connection, authenticity, um, people, love, family, community. And it was like, like for my birthday, we all blew up these $5 air mattresses and went to Whiskey Town and all had like wars on them. That's, That's what we did. Awesome. That was more fun than me going with my business partner to Tahiti and staying in a luxurious mansion on the water. Like, it, cause it's with people and you're yeah. feeling connected. And you're laughing. And you're laughing. You're having, you know, so I don't know if that's going off track, what your no, question was. But. No, that's perfect. But that actually, uh, one, of my, one of my former students, she, she's doing an entire project on what makes you come alive. And she's wow. just literally asking random strangers in the street. What? <laughs> no more bubbly water. So I was going to take do another it. drink of it. I was do like, you know I what? embrace your burps. Uh, okay, I embrace, yeah, just do it. I am, I am thirsty. We could know, just so. round off this podcast <laughs> with a massive belt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. I think, I think honestly, for me, that's that I'm learning that too. One of my friends, I was sitting with my girlfriend the other. I met one away from the microphone. Did you hear that? I know you can hear. I did it. Yeah, one of my girlfriends. She's she's literally achieving her dream, and she's creating. She's raised about three million for an amazing new nonprofit. It's wow. extraordinary what she's about to do. Like twenty two other counties are now taking on the same model. Wow. It's flying, and yet. <clears throat> and it really could change orphan reform in California. Like it's, it's a huge thing. Wow. It's the dream for her. And she said, you know, I got to the mountain, I got to the top of it. And then I was given a very, very heavy rucksack 
of responsibilities and keeping the thing going. Yeah. And I think that's where, yeah, we have this lovely rose-tinted lens on people that have got it all and the... Mm -hmm. But I've I've noticed that with my friends in the in the movie industry, everything is it is it is contentment something that you have to intentionally learn to have because what makes you come alive is a, a very subjective question. It's a very subjective answer. Yeah, it's true. I mean, in it, I guess it depends on the personality type as well. Yeah, because I I do have you know friends who are making good money and they come alive going to the the clubs and yeah. doing all the crazy stuff and yeah. For me, I, I I had a meeting with this billionaire, actually. Yeah. And at this point, I was because when I when I when the company first exploded and started doing good amounts of money and things like that, mm. I became extremely depressed, suicidal thoughts. Uh, really? It was an extremely dark place for like six months. I it, would never have imagined that. It was awful. Yeah. Wow. And. Uh, but nobody would have guessed it. They, you know, because they were like, "Oh, he's living his dream," and they were more excited about the success than I was. I, I was, I, I legitimately didn't think I was gonna make it. Like wow. I was like, "There's, it's if this, if this is how life is, this is too dark. I'm not gonna make it." Yeah. And I was starting to come out of that to start taking better care of my body because I was really neglecting health and mental and all that kind of stuff and just completely working, you know, 18, 20 hours a day. And um, um, eating well, I was drinking a lot more because it's like, I can't turn my brain off, so I'm gonna drink yeah. alcohol to help me go to sleep. Totally. Had a complete burnout, super depressed. And um, I don't remember where I was going with this. Oh, wait, no, no, I do, I do, okay. So I was, starting to, I was starting to come out with that. Yeah, I was starting yeah. to come out of that phase where I was taking better care of my body and the depression wasn't as strong, but it was mm. still a little bit there. Yeah. And I met with this billionaire and I said, I was like, how do you not get depressed? You like I'm depressed with the amount of money I have because it feels like there's no excitement in buying things or doing things. Because like if yeah. I want to do something, I can do it now. If I want to buy something, I can mm. buy it. There's 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 no novelty in it. There's no excitement. I was like, so being a billionaire, if you want to build, you know, a multi-million dollar skyscraper or do this, you could do it the snap of a finger. Like how do you not feel depressed? And he said, Brian, I live in a two-bedroom apartment and I ride a bicycle to work. He goes, I use my money as a tool to build to chase my dreams wow. and to support other people with theirs. And he said, as soon as it becomes about you and you just getting everything that you want, you'll find out really quick that that money is really weak and it actually has a reverse wow. effect on you. Mm -hmm. And so when he told me that, I was like, That's oh brilliant. shit, like I never thought of that because it's just like you, we have such a get, 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 get mentality. Yeah. Like I wanna get this, I wanna get this. And then when you have the ability to, you're like, Ugh. Where's the fun in that? It's like money was never meant to be used that way. It is powerful. Yeah. I don't want to say money has no power, but it has the power to pursue your passions, totally. to empower other people, to build. And it's like, but if you're just using it to flex, using it to portray yourself as an image, using it to just get what you want, then it gets really boring really fast. Thank you so much for listening to the Carry On Podcast. I've so loved your messages. If you're new to this, um, then I'm on Instagram at Carrie Gracie and you're welcome to DM me there. I do read my own messages. We do have a little team that helped me out with it as well. And we have a Facebook page that is called Carrie Lloyd, funnily enough. So uh, if there's anything you want me to talk about, if there's anything you wish to get in touch with us about, uh, then you can also go on to www.carrieloyd.com Dot live. That's my um, main website where you can contact us through there. Um, always a pleasure, never a chore, darling. <laughs>